good evening. Back to where I was before I went to preaching school. 
And I'm so glad that I, that I talked this over with God. The, the, moral, the moral, I guess, of this, this story is when you choose God over yourself, you will never be disappointed with the results. Amen? Amen. You will never be disappointed. I could have, man, I'm sure would have been more wealthy. I could have option, you know? But I thought to myself, I thought, you know, I jumped into this. I put all my heart and soul into this, and I loved it. And I thought, there's no way I can just quit. There's no way I can just take this back. And the reality, the reality all of, of, of all of this, of everything we take away from the story, of everything we take away from life, of everything we take away from choices and decisions, and making choices and making decisions, you have to understand this principle. You're owned by whoever you choose to serve. You're owned by whoever you choose to serve, right? You, choose, you make choices every day. You make choices of what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. What, you're gonna, what car you're going to drive if you have multiple cars? What shoes you're going to wear? I mean, you make choices every single day. Sometimes you make the wrong choices. Sometimes we, we make a choice without consulting God. It's a bad choice, and it, and it forms us, and it shapes us. And God doesn't put us in any bad situations, but sometimes we make choices that put us in a place, and God can use those things for good. But sometimes we choose the opposite of that. Sometimes we make, we make bad choices. We make a sin choice. We make a self choice over a God choice. Which we say, well, you know, this feels good to me. Or, or this is helping me in, in my human self to feel good about whatever I'm doing, about whatever it is. But the fact of the matter is, is that you're owned by whoever you choose to serve. If you choose to serve sin, you're going to be a slave of sin. If you choose to serve God, you're going to be slave of God. You're not considered a slave of God. And this is, this is, this is so important. This is so important because a lot of times we don't, we don't, we don't make that transition from, from, you know, we try to stay like, oh, I can stay right in the middle. You know, I mean, I can, I can, I can make myself feel good. I could also be, you know, a servant of God. It doesn't work like that. You know, and, and so here, here's the, the setting that we have from Romans chapter 6 and, and the Jews and what they're dealing with and what's taking place is, is the Jews misunderstood the concept of grace. They, because in the Old Testament, there was physical punishment for sin, right? In Romans chapter 5 and verse 20, he says, The law came in the transgression with peace, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So if you go back and follow the context and you follow what, what Paul, the point that Paul is, is making is he's saying, you know, okay, one man brought sin into the world and one man changed sin, right? He brought salvation. And, and so we think, well, well the Jews, in, in their mind, was thinking, well, there's not that there's no consequence for sin, right? There's no physical consequence. I'm not going to get done. I'm not going to get stoned. I'm not going to get, stoned, I'm gonna get thrown off the cliff or whatever, whatever the sins were in the Old Testament. But, but now, you know, hey, I mean, I can pretty much do whatever I want, you know, because there's grace. And I can just do whatever I want. Well, there's grace. God doesn't punish for physical sins anymore. So I can do whatever I want. So Paul moves into this chapter, Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. He says, what shall we say then? Then are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? Right? Because we know that, okay, well, if we sin more and we do this more and we do this, then grace will continue to increase. You know what grace is? Grace is unmerited favor. Did you know that? Did you know that when you're in Christ, you have unmerited favor with God? People abuse it. Like it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't mean anything. But we have grace. You know, I can just do whatever I want. I can live whatever way I want to live. And I can do whatever I want to do. You know, I'm not, it could be 
wrong. I'm not saying that you know we don't mess up. Right? We mess up, we make mistakes, we do things that are wrong, but we're talking about we're talking about two completely different lifestyles. We're talking about a lifestyle of sin and abusing the grace of God, and we're talking about a lifestyle that is choosing God, that is saying, look, I'm trying really hard. And this is really difficult for me to live without sinning. I mean, you know, you raise your hand if you if you, if you haven't sinned. Aha. I mean, think about this. They were abusing this concept of grace. There's no physical punishment, right? And, and you know, and, and this was just to keep the, the children of Israel lies. Okay, there's going to be physical punishment if you sin. Correct? Okay, you understand that? So now I'm not going to want to do one of the, one of the big sins, right? I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to pray that, that I don't do any of those things. I'm going to try to live like like I'm supposed to live, like God wants me to live, and hope that there's nothing that takes place. But God didn't name the sins he named because he's a God, did, God said, this is a sin. Murder is a sin because sin hurts you and it hurts others. Do you realize that? Do you understand that concept that, that, that sin hurts you and it hurts others? You know, you think about this concept for a minute, right? You, you set things up in your house, right? On your, now on our mobile devices, you know, we, to, we do things to protect our children because we love them and we care about them and we don't want them to hurt themselves, right? We don't want them to hurt themselves. So we set up parameters. We set up parental controls on, on our iPhones and iPads and computers and all these different things so kids won't get anything and anything that's going to potentially hurt themselves. That's what God did. God said, Your sin hurts you and it hurts others. He did what He did to protect you from you. You realize that? And so Paul says you can't abuse this this, you can't abuse grace. We can't endorse sin. We can't live a life of sin. When God said a sin is sin, and we need to understand this concept, and now that there's no physical consequences, you've got to understand this, this picture. And then Paul takes them through this beautiful, beautiful passage in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 11, to remind them of what they did when they were immersed into Christ. And this is an amazing passage, it's a beautiful passage. And it reminds us of what we did. It's not to tell them what they need to do. It's to remind them of what they did when they were immersed into Jesus. And so tonight, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. And we're going to talk about this, this idea of whoever you choose to serve. You're owned by whoever you choose to serve. And, and, and it's going to wrap us right into this particular concept. of Paul's reminding them. He's saying, look, remember, right? Remember that you are in Christ. And when you're in Christ, you shouldn't be living a life of sin. Just because you have grace, just because you're in Jesus, doesn't mean you live a life of sin. Doesn't mean you sin willfully. So, get what I'm saying here, guys. He's saying, this is for your benefit. Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. This is an, an incredible, incredible passage. And it's often a passage that we skip over because we want to get right to Rome. We want to get to Romans chapter 6, 1 through 11. We want to talk about baptism. We want to talk about the intricacies and, and all the things that, are, that, are, that take place in baptism. But we miss this passage afterward that Paul's reminding them. He's saying, look, look, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so you obey its lust. Well, why would you say that, Paul? 
Why in the world would you tell me not to let sin reign in my mortal body? Right? Well, I have grace. There's no physical punishment. When you sin, there's still consequences. When you make bad choices, there's still consequences. There's still difficulties. There's still things that, that happen. You know, if you, if, you, if you choose to have relations outside of marriage and, and with multiple partners, there's a good chance that you're going to get something you don't want. There's still consequences to, to your actions. God's not God's saying, well, I'm not going to punish you. There's grace, right? You can't do whatever you want. You, you've got to, you know, grace is for the people who are trying to live right. That's what grace is for, for the people who are trying not to sin and sin and make, make bad choices. You make bad decisions, you make bad choices, you sin, you do something you're not supposed to. He says, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust, right? Because we're flesh, we're human. We, we, we are attracted to physical things. We're attracted to fleshly things. We're attracted to things. We're drawn to things that have to do with the flesh. And it causes us to sin. And he says, look, this can't take place in your body. Look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 13. And do not go on presenting your members, members of your body, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. So Paul says, hey, wait, wait, step back for a minute here. I want, you to, I want you to understand this, right? Now that you're in Jesus, now that you, you, you've died with Him, right? You were dead in your sins when you, when, before you came to Jesus, and you died with Him, and you were buried, and you were raised from the dead to walk. Now get this. To walk in newness of life. Automatically, when we hear the idea of newness, it, it cancels out oldness cancels out living our own life. You know, we committed something. We made a decision. We made a choice. He says, now that you're in Jesus, you can't go on presenting members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness because you've got to understand that, that all sin is unrighteousness. Sin is lawlessness. He says, in ver- at the end of this verse here, he says, but present yourselves to God as alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. He says, you've got to change your mind what he goes to in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. He says, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not conforming, but the renewing of your mind. Right? You, you change your mindset. When you become a Christian, your mindset changes. And we look at this passage and he says, look, you, you've got to present yourselves alive to God because you are alive in Jesus Christ. You're alive. And you need to act that way. And living a life of sin does not make you alive. Sin makes you dead. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. We all know this verse very well. For, all, for the wages of sin is what? Death. It's death. Why would you want to work for something that was eventually going to kill you? I mean, I don't see any logic in that. But, but we, we do it anyways. He says, look, look, you've got it. Since you're alive, you get to present yourself. You get to use your talents. You get to use your abilities. You get to use... Your, your, your mindset to work with other Christians and present to God as righteous. Let Him use you in your life. You know, you're not to be used for wrong things. Look at 6.14. He says, for sin, right? Look what he says. For sin shall not be your master. For you are not under law, but under grace. Whoa! Wait a second here. It's not to be my master? Wait a minute. How, how many of you have, uh, you know, how, ma- how many of you have, have ever had masters in your life 
that have just taken control of your life, an obsession, a sport, something that, that has just completely taken every ounce of your time and you've put all your time and all your money and everything into that one thing. And because you did that, other things were neglected, like your relationship with God, like your church family, like, like your brothers and sisters. They were neglected because you were putting your mind to something else. This is what Paul's talking about. He says, when, you, when, you're, when you're sinning, when you're living a life of sin, that's where your time and money goes. That's where your life goes. Into that sin. And I've struggled, I've wrestled with this passage for a, for a week now. And I've been sitting on it, and I've been thinking about it, and thinking about it, and thinking about it, and trying to understand what Paul's saying here. He's like, look, sin is not your master. Jesus is your master. Amen? That's right. He says, because you're not under the law, it doesn't mean you get to sin. He says, you're under grace. He's like, grace covers all things. There ain't no grace. I'm not going to heaven. I'm not going to heaven if there is no grace because I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I know that. And I understand that. And, and, and I have to choose constantly over and over and over and over again. I have to choose God. You have to choose God over and over and over and over and over again. Over and over. He says, because otherwise if you don't, sin's going to become your master. He says, you're not under law, but under grace. Look at chapter 6 and verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? May it never be. Right? Just because you're not under the law in, anymore and that, that God has made you righteous as, as His people, of Israel, and, and now that you're in Christ Jesus, it's a whole different system. You've got to understand this, brethren. You've got to understand this concept. You're talking to Jew and Gentile alike. You know, just because you're covered, just because you have unmerited favor with God, does not mean that you can just do whatever you want. It doesn't mean that. He says, you're not under the law, but under grace. May it ever be. Right? Verse chapter 6 and verse 16. Do you not know? Okay. Here's one of Paul's famous rhetorical questions. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Who you choose matters. The choices you make matters. You have to continuously choose Jesus. You have to continuously choose God over and over and over and over again. Because if you don't, something else would become master of your life. And that is not going to lead you to a life of eternal bliss. It's not going to lead you to a life of God. You know, I say this seldomly. You're owned by whoever you choose to serve. You choose to serve money, you're going to be owned by money. Weird as that sounds. You choose to serve God, you're choosing God. You're not, God is not making you do something you don't want to do. God never does that. God will never do that. God didn't make people in the Old Testament do that. You had, they had to choose God. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. Choose this day whom you will serve. Give them a choice. Look, it's for me and my household. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve God. But you can make your decision. You can make your choice. This is what I'm doing. But you have to make your decision. Right? Because when you present yourself as slaves for obedience, you're slaves of the one whom you obey. If you obey sin, you're a slave of sin. If you obey God, you're, you're a slave of God. You obey sin, some sin in your life, something you're dealing with, some difficulty, some problem, whatever it is, and there's a ton on the radar. You've got to understand, whatever you obey, whatever you put your time, your money, your... your, your, your ounces of, of everything that you are into. And if it's a sin, it's a problem. Chapter 6 and verse 17. 
Or 616. This is the end of 616. Either sin resulting in death. Ooh. Or, or of obedience resulting in righteousness. Wait a minute, Paul. You're saying that, that you know, we don't, we don't know this, that when we present, you know, we understand slavery, right? We understand the concept of slavery. Slavery is not, slavery in, in the first century, is, let me just put this out there, it's not like slavery in America in the 17th century, 18th century. It's not, it's not the same concept. We're talking about a, a we're talking about employee-employer relationship. The idea that you work for somebody and they pay your bills and they give you money so that you can continue to live and literally they own you because you have no other options. We're not talking about the type of slavery in the 17th, 18th century. I just want to put that out there because this is understand. He says, you obey whoever you're slave, whoever you present yourselves as slaves to, whoever you give to, whoever you, wherever you put your time, your money, wherever you're getting your source. He says, you're slaves of the one whom you obey. He says, either of sin, right? You can obey sin, and, and, but sin's not going to lead you anywhere nice. It's not going to lead you anywhere good. Or you can, or you can, or obedience to God resulting in righteousness because you obeyed God because you're in Jesus. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, Now for there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You have to understand this, brethren, because it's important. There's no condemnation when you're in Jesus. It goes back to the concept, that passage at the beginning of chapter of Romans chapter 6. You've got to understand this piece. Chapter 6 and verse 7. But thanks be to God, though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart, to that form of teaching to which you were committed. This is an awesome, awesome piece of literature. An awesome piece of text. He says, look, you were slaves of sin, right? When you lived a life before you found Jesus, you were a slave to sin. You did whatever sin, you did whatever your lust. You know, we know, we, we see people in the world, people who don't live, who don't follow Jesus, do whatever they want. And that's fine. But that's not what God wants. He says, you came obedient from the heart. You made a choice with your mind, with your heart, with your will to follow Jesus, to follow God. You made that choice. You made that decision. So continue to make that decision. To that form of teaching which you were committed. Verse 18. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. I love this passage. I love it. Because it, it opens up a concept that we need to understand. And that, that, that we get to choose. Right? We get to choose to serve God. Nobody's forcing us to do it. Not our family, not our parents, not people in our lives. Nobody's making us serve Jesus. Nobody's making me stand up here right now. I'm willingly preaching the Gospel. I'll preach it anywhere. It doesn't matter. Because, because I do it willingly. I, nobody's forcing me. He says, he says, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. When you lived a life of sin, you didn't have to worry about being righteous, but when you came to that point of knowledge in your, in your life where you said, wait a minute. Now I know the way I have to live is much different than the way I'm continuing to live. So the question we, ha we have to ask after, after all of this, who's your master? 
What owns you? What owns you? What owns your life? What makes your decisions for you? What's your obsession? Is it a sin? Is it not a sin? If it is something and it's causing you to neglect God, maybe you need to think, rethink the decisions that you're making. You know, I've had to do this on several occasions. You know, check myself with my family because I'm putting so much into ministry work that I neglect my wife. That's not something that I, that I openly say to people. But I know that, that I'm not the only minister. I'm not the only preacher. I'm not the only person in his life who gets so obsessed with something that I neglect spending time with my wife. Who's my master? Jesus. What does Jesus tell me to do? To take care of my family. To, take, to love my wife as Christ loved the church. You're owned by whoever you choose to serve. You are. It's a fact. It's something that we need to understand. A concept, a principle that, 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 is, that is completely viable in our, in our century. You know what our problem is? You know why we sin? Because we're selfish. I don't like it, but I know why I sinned. I know why Eve sinned in the garden. She wanted to be like God. Selfishness drove her to sin. Selfishness drove you to sin. Selfishness puts you in the place that you're in. And God sent His Son to redeem you. You're owned by whoever you choose to serve. If you choose to serve God, God is your master. You're slave to God. You give your life to God. If you're really two feet in, you get to choose that. You don't have to. Nobody's forcing you. But you get to choose that. One of my instructors, when I was, when I was in school, I don't know if you can, can read that, but he says, if we can get a hold of the self problem, we can get a hold of the sin problem. That means, if, if I can get a hold of my selfishness, I could potentially stop myself from possibly sinning in the future. I know it's not, I know it's not completely viable. You ever, you ever, let, let, me, let me ask you this. And, and maybe some of you have done this, maybe you haven't. Have you ever tried not to sin for a day? Have you ever tried? I mean, you, you try, you may succeed, you may not succeed, you may go several days, and it's a weird feeling. It's weird. You know, you, you're conscious of like, well, oh, I'm tr- consciously trying not to sin. I'm consciously trying to live a, a life of righteousness. I'm consciously trying to live the way God wants me to live. You know what? We mess up. You can't go forever like that. You can't. You just can't. If we can get a hold of the self-problem, if we can get a hold of ourselves, that's why the Bible talks so much about self-control. Yeah? Self-control. Controlling yourself. Because if we don't control ourselves, then our self does whatever we want to do. We don't get to choose. We just do, what, we just do whatever we want. There is, no, there is no point. In the first century, when the, when the, when the Christians and, and who, whom Peter was writing to were suffering persecution... At the beginning of that chapter, he, tell, he gives them these Christian virtues and he says, hey, one of the things that he puts in there is self-control, right? You have to control yourself. In a high-stress situation, you have to consciously think about what you're doing. You have to consciously be aware because yourself will do whatever yourself wants to do. Your flesh will, will control your life if you let it. But so will God. If you let Him, He will. He'll drive you in every direction that you need to be. He'll put you in every place that, that, that you need to be. When you choose God, you'll never be disappointed with the results. Ever. You know, you might go through some hard times. You might go through some trying times. It might be difficult. But, but let God use that for good. Let Him use it for good. We can get a hold of the self-problem. We can get a hold of the sin problem. You're owned by whoever you choose to serve. So, 
I'm going to tell you today what, what you need to choose. What God wants you to choose. You don't have to. But you have to choose God. You have to choose God over sin. You have to choose to live a life devoted to Him. Instead of a life the way you, you want it to be. Whatever you want it to be. You have to choose God. Get a hold of the self problem, you can get a hold of the sin problem. Choose God. You know what? I, I, love, I love this quote. Following Jesus will make your life better. It will make you better at life. When you follow, when you choose God, it's not going to get, you know, many finances. But the idea is that it gets better. When you choose God, life gets better. So today, I, I want to encourage you, I want to ask you, who's your master? Who controls your life? Who takes control of your life? Because this is something we have to consciously think about. If you're here today and your master is, is, is something other than, you believe that your master is something other than, than Jesus, then that's, a, that's something you need to consider today. And your brethren are here to help you. We're not here to judge you. We're not here to tell you what you've done wrong. We're not here to, to scold you. We're not here to put you down. We're here to help you. We're here to pray for you. We're here today to help you. If you're not a Christian, you need to be baptized. We can do that. You can become a brother or sister today. Today, you can do that. If you so choose. If you would come as we stand and as we sing.